0: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko
1: Tottenham Hotspur 3,
0: Manchester City 4 They have made the impossible possible Hello everybody and welcome back to the City Report podcast for a special bonus episode, we're coming at you for the second time this week I am Amos Murphy
1: and I'm Adam Booker.
0: Adam, Adam, Adam. I feel like I'm speaking and seeing you more than I am my family at this point. It's Like I said, it's the second time this week we're coming at, at you with an episode and uh, it's been a stressful few games, hasn't it? How are you
1: feeling? It has been stressful. Yeah, I definitely speak to you more than any outside of like my mom and my girlfriend <laughs> who I live with. I definitely speak to you more than anyone else, but that's the life of an american covering european football i'm i'm up at 7am on saturdays working the whole day and then going to sleep early so i i don't have a social life <laughs> that was blunt that was uh, yeah that, that was pretty uh,
0: <laughs> pulling the heartstrings already uh, I believe you've had an injury though this week so how was your how's your hand holding up a bit of a occupational hazard
1: yeah, listen, I got in a scrap in the tunnel with Stephanie Savage and <laughs> City cycle yesterday and Didn't we all? came out of it with her. No, someone just walloped the ball at me from about a foot away in seven aside, and it went straight onto my thumb. So I'm I'm bandaged up for now. Mm,
0: yeah, like Luis Suarez with his little thing around his, around his hand. You're going to kiss well, it every time you make a good point. <laughs> like you run away that's and what I was thinking. Is I've,
1: got, I've got one of those little like, Things that it's low on your wrist and just goes up onto your thumb, and uh, I've got another game of football tonight, actually. So if I score tonight, I'm definitely running off and kissing my wrist. (laughs) yeah yeah make sure we set a camera up for that because it will look totally normal (laughs) won't it um I
0: have to yeah I'm I'm under the weather a bit myself so it's not the healthiest podcast that we've had um just struggling with a a head cold and and yeah milking it I think and and sort of had a really rough night's sleep I don't know if it was after the reaction to that that game and the jitters and and obviously we'll get to the savage debate in in a in a moment but yeah so yeah not not the healthiest panel we've ever had but um before we get into it If you could follow and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you are listening along on, that would be great. If you have anything nice to say, then please leave us a rating and a review. That would be fantastic so we can hear what we're doing well. And and like I said, if we're doing anything badly, then maybe just redirect that elsewhere. Um, Other than that, I think that's the admin done and dusted. So we'll jump straight into the football then and quite honestly where to begin atletico madrid nil manchester city nil but by no means does that tell the full story kevin de Bruyne's a singular goal from the first leg saw city through to the champions league semi-final it's the first time city have ever reached back-to-back semi-finals in the competition and a real marker as to how pep guardiola continues to rewrite the history at the club but there's only real one, really one place to start, isn't there? And the main and probably the only talking point from that second leg came about two minutes from the end when a mass brawl broke out between the two sets of players. Nice and simple one to kick us off. We've had a question from Retro Shirt Dan on Twitter, who quite, you know, quite simply asks us, thoughts on Stefan Savage? So I'll let you take the baton on that one, Adam. <laughs> thoughts on Stefan Savage.
1: Well, it's funny because you and I were talking before we hit record and said it was probably the most eventful, uneventful game Mm -hmm. of football ever. Um, But yeah, Stefan Savage, I mean, well, he he was a disgrace. I mean, he he could have easily been booked three or four times for different infractions. It's beyond me that he finishes both 90-minute games without committing one single foul, not even a booking, one foul. Um, You know, he was involved in a little verbal altercation with Jack Grealish in the first leg, and clearly his mood didn't get any better before the second.
0: It's bizarre, isn't it, that you mentioned there that uh, according to Opta that he didn't make a single foul throughout the entire 180 minutes tie, yet I counted four um, bookable offences in that second leg, starting off with the strange off-the-ball shoulder barge on Phil Foden about midway through the first half, and then the, in that altercation which we'll run through and we'll sort of go through it methodically in a moment or two there was the, the dragging Foden off the pitch, there was the head-butt situation with Raheem Sterling, and then there was the pulling Jack Grealish's hair, so there's at least in that melee, three bookable offences, if not one red card offence and before that there was also another book offence and it I I don't know where to begin where you know with what he was thinking or what he was doing for me it was probably up there with the Jerry Barton incident from the from the QPR game on the final day in 2012 where red mist just descended over him and it was it was interesting wasn't it because we we obviously have quite a heavy bias in this situation we're looking at it thinking you know that, that that's atrocious but from a sort of a neutral standpoint it was It was embarrassing, I think is probably the only word that I'd use to describe it. It was utterly embarrassing seeing a a grown man, a seasoned professional, an ex-City player himself, which of course Joey Barton was, was as well, behaving like that and just at the end of the day, it's a game of football and it's easy to laugh it off and, you know, it was hilarious in retrospect, but there was a point where I genuinely couldn't believe what was going on and, you know, this is meant to be the epitome of European football, the greatest stage on the planet and there's, there's a petulance like that and, and, well, don't forget, Diego Simeone is the best paid manager in world football and that's what his plays are resorting to. It's, it's, it's otherworldly, isn't it? It's absolutely mind-boggling.
1: I think one thing that kind of tells the whole story of Of the way that the general football world reacted to this was, we saw essentially the entire English media. Now, there's been some garbage articles from some of the usual suspects today, kind of putting the blame on maybe some city players for the whole Mm. the whole thing, which is ridiculous. Um, But we saw mostly the English media supporting city in this moment Mm. i think i saw darren fletcher speaking about it on twitter and then he signed the tweet with by the way i agree with jack and things like that (laughs) it's like all all of these guys in the media that just just slag city off all Mm. year round for a living kind of coming out of the woodwork and and it felt like You know how there's always this idea of amongst the media of like the English rooting on English teams in European Mm. football, no matter who you support, just so that the English come out on top. Um, That was never the case with City. You know, City have never been. uh, uh, This is not news to anybody. They've never been the darlings of English football. Um, But to see kind of this universal support for City after all of that, and and so much credit being given to them by people who I tend to think don't give City that kind of support mm. when they've deserved it in the past. Um, I think that kind of told the whole story.
0: 100%. And the BT Sport coverage, obviously, um, you, uh, viewers in the UK w- would only be sort of privy to that. And I'm not sure how it was for for you guys over over the Atlantic Ocean. But they they were definitely, like you say, they were, they were really sticking up for City. And, and again, the culprits that you wouldn't expect, for example, Rio Ferdinand did, a really good sort of a piece after the game and, and when it sort of came out that there was a scuffle in the in the tunnel as well. And, you know, he was sticking up for Jack Grealish and and sort of highlighting how the city players were quick to run to the defence of their teammates and and saying that, you know, you expect the jives and you expect the sly comments, and you know, Rio Ferdinand as a footballer more more so than ever would have been one dishing those out. But when it gets to that situation where without sounding too over the top, they were sort of endangering the players really, weren't they? And there were a number of incidents which we'll, we'll just keep on going and, and list them off and sort of uh, give our opinion on, on all of them. Because apart from that melee itself, the, the what, what sort of led to it was um, Felipe, who... Eventually got himself sent off after his sort of best efforts for ninety minutes. He started the evening by clattering into the back of Phil Foden, which I forget the timestamp, but it, it seemed like it was inside the first ten minutes or something like that. And unbelievably managed to escape without a yellow card. He then ended it by kicking out at Foden, and, and we'll, we'll come to the City's sort of part in this in this entire situation a bit later on. But he eventually did get sent off then by Daniel Siebert, the referee. If that wasn't enough, like I said, there were there were then reports afterwards, which seems to may have been glossed over or, or sort of uh, clarified, and maybe weren't exactly just this. But there were reports that Savage and Jack Grealish had had a, an altercation in the tunnel. It seems that it was more the entire two benches coming together um, which which the police had to get into as well and, and the tunnel camp shows a bit of handbags between the players heading into the dressing rooms with an Atletico player looking like he may have spat towards one of the City players or, or definitely tried to throw his head forward and undoubtedly for me the best part of this was Scott Carson offering the Atletico players out saying he'll, he'll see them in the car park which is it, it was just it, honestly it was, it was the strangest of situations and like you say up until about 88 minutes it was a completely forgettable football match
1: yeah it was I mean it gave all the neutrals a bit of a bit of excitement for a really dull game of football um I it's funny because I know on BT Sport they were giving the the cliched commentator line oh no one wants to see this when obviously that's not the case (laughs) everybody everybody watching wants to see this typically I would want to see this because it's it's exciting but This time I was actually thinking just like get everybody out of there because Mm -hmm. there's way bigger things to focus on, like Mm -hmm. Liverpool at the weekend, the Premier League games coming up, and now Real Madrid on the horizon as well. Um, And you'd have to say that City did come out of this a bit beaten up, um, which I think was Atletico's plans. Um, But yeah, Scott, Scott Carson... <laughs> telling i think it was i think it was Simi versalco telling him meet me out in the car yeah. park was was one of the probably the highlight of the night yeah um especially from him who like the videos that we see of him in the training ground and and on the Etihad campus and stuff he just seems that like the funniest mm. like lighthearted guy ever i think it was it was uh when City won the title last year and, and Scott Carson came in dressed as a fireman for yeah. some reason. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No
1: idea why. He just seems like such a goofball. And to see him kind of telling kids that are like fifteen years younger than them to to come outside with him was, <laughs> was just prime, prime champions league.
0: It really was, wasn't it? And um it, it's bizarre because Scott Carson for me anyway um and and i'd say for most football supporters who sort of followed his career he was always a decent goalkeeper he was obviously part of that uh, champions league winning team with liverpool and and remains the only champions league winner in the city squad at the moment which is a, a fantastic stat in itself but he was always a decent goalkeeper who always had It felt like his ceiling was capped at, say, like a, a mid-table Premier League team or an upper-table upper, upper table championship team. And, you know, look at some of the teams he's played for, the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, Leeds United, Charlton, West Brom, Wigan, Derby County. They weren't exactly, I don't know, the elite of the elite in English football. But I had no, I'd, I could not envisage a situation when he joined City back in 2019 that, three or four years later he'd be in the tunnel at the Wanda Metropolitano offering out the the biggest shit houses in world football saying that he'll come outside and have a scrap of him it's astonishing isn't it just to think the the connection that he's he's been able to form within that in that dressing room and you know granted he's only 36 it's not like he's in his 40s and and for a goalkeeper 36 isn't exactly you know it's not It's not towards the end of your career. It's, like, it's not the start of your career, but it's not towards the end. He's just a, a really valued member of the squad and it's great to see that sort of stuff because I think in, in other years that we, we may not have been able to get through a situation like that. Before we move on to City itself then, just a little bit on the Diego Simeone chatter because there's been a few stances, hasn't there, uh, sort of making excuses for his style of football, if you can call it that. and And like I said, before he's the highest paid coach in world football no no manager in world football takes home more money than he does every year is that worth the money do you think that what what we've seen over the past two matches against City because you and I we both we both write a lot about European football we both watch a lot of of European football and this was sort of it wasn't what Atletico had done for, for the most part of this campaign in their biggest game of the season Did he get it right or was there perhaps mistakes made along the way and and he should be getting more criticism than he is?
1: I think I'll stick up for El Cholo here because (laughs) I I said this on the last episode as well that he gets criticism for the way that he plays and I think you can criticise him over these two games because I actually think City were there for the taking at times Mm. and he didn't get that message across to his team like last night in the the final 10 15 minutes i mean city were absolutely there for the for the taking i mean there was some heroic defending from from the city defenders but if you're ever seeing heroic defending it's because a team is on the brink of conceding yeah. a goal yeah um but instead his team was still focused on on the shit and and they lost the match because of it or they lost the tie because of it but you, you'd have to say that he's been hugely successful at, at Atletico Madrid. In, in a country that is so heavily dominated by Real Madrid and Barcelona, he's brought them to multiple Champions League finals. He's won multiple La Liga titles. He's won Copa del Rey's uh, Spanish Super Cups. Mm-hmm. So like on a macro level, you can't really fault him that much. Mm. I, I think the way that he plays his football when they lose big games there, it's just an immediate cop-out to say, this is why they lost. They lost because they were negative. They were lost because they played this many defenders. They did. They had all this attacking talent, didn't use it, blah, 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 blah. But in the general sense of, of success, he's been successful and very, very successful. Mm. So to me, you can't really fault him. But look, I mean, uh, on the micro level... If he had gotten the message to his team, start playing some more football and try to, instead of trying to kick Phil Foden and others to death before the end of the game, I think they would have managed to score and send it to extra time. I really do.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it did seem like there was, um, perhaps across both legs, quite a one-dimensional approach from Atletico. And I, I wholeheartedly agree that on the grand scheme of things, when you look at the achievements he's he's had with with Atletico Madrid and and when he arrived and and just think about that era of Spanish football it was the greatest league in the world for a number of years and it's only say like the last two or three years the Premier League has, has really overtaken it and, and has gone clear as the sort of the best league in the world again if you like. Um, going back to the point we made about Atletico being on top it, it reminds me of that famous Maldini quote where he said where he, he said if I have to make a tackle and I've already made a mistake and it was last ditch at, at a number of points wasn't it for City. There was a, a few Edison saves, that, that fantastic John Stones block that could have got anywhere but thankfully dropped over the the crossbar and, and out for a corner instead. I guess from, from my point of view, going off the two games itself, as you mentioned, City were there for the taking. I don't think they'd have been disappointed by a 1-0 away at the Etihad and if you'd have said to them at the start of the tie, you'll concede one goal in 180 minutes of, of football against Manchester City. They'd take that all day and they'd fancy the chances. If I was an Atletico fan though, I'd be looking at that second leg, probably from the half an hour point onwards, especially the second half, and going, We could have had we could have won the game in normal time. And, and I really I don't think that's an exaggeration. <clears throat> City were not at the races. And we'll we'll touch on on the performance there now then because i have had another another question from Ngozulu, who asks us. What went wrong for City in that second half? Why were they dropping deep? And, and why were they allowing Atletico so much space, which was really uncharacteristic? I think for me, it probably is just filed under one of those games. You know, the, the factors that were built into it. You've got a situation where De Bruyne gets taken off with injury. Kyle Walker then goes off injured as well. Atletico started to play some football, or, or what would resemble as, as sort of attacking football, and they showed the potential for the first time in the tie. The, the crowd was starting to whip the atmosphere up. You had Diego Simeone on the sideline acting as like the, the leader of the orchestra and he was really getting them going. And it was probably about as tough a second half as it could have got in Europe. And relatively speaking, City came out unscathed. So do you subscribe to that? Do you just put it under one of those games in a situation where all City had to do was made, make sure they get out of that that situation still in front or is there an underlying issue that you maybe look at and go "Mm, there were some issues that that maybe maybe would have to avoid in in future games
1: I'm not necessarily disappointed or discouraged by the performance in the slightest in fact I'm going to go the polar opposite and say I think that we saw we learned something really really important about City uh, at the Wanda Metropolitano because I think if City go out there and they control the possession and they kind of just pass the ball around in a circle and run the clock out and it finishes nil-nil. Then we say, right, we've survived and move on. Um, but you don't learn anything from that. You don't learn anything about this team. Whereas I think we absolutely learned something because, look, City fell into the trap in the second half. They they were pulled into a type of game that they don't want to be in by Atletico. But once they were in that game, they played it so well. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this – is, for me, I said this on Twitter yesterday that I actually thought last night was a real coming-of-age moment for mm. this team and the club in general because if you look back at the run to the final last year, there were the the moments of grittiness. You think to the, the PSG second leg at the Etihad where you had, uh, I think it was Ruben Diaz making a block and the whole back four yeah. like, celebrating yeah. and, and pounding their chest and, and things like that where it wasn't City's football that got them to the final, but it was – throughout most of the Champions League, whereas last night, that was really, a mo- for me, a huge moment for the club, that they got pulled into this scrappy, gritty European game with the crowd on top of them, an electric atmosphere. You've got the manager of the other team trying to whip the crowd up into a frenzy and get on the referees back, the players back, and City didn't really look phased by it. I said that they were kind of on the brink of conceding, but at no point did I feel like City were not calm or Mm. like they Mm. were rattled or anything like that. I felt like they were dragged into this type of game they didn't want to be in, but within that game, they actually thrived.
0: Looking back at City's Champions League performances then, from the last sort of 5 6 years I, I, obviously the final last year and and the run to the final was impeccable winning every single game bar 1 in that in that champ- well every single game bar 2 but but before the final every single game bar 1 um but i think the fact that city didn't have to go away to paris saint-germain or Borussia dortmund with supporters maybe gave so you look at that with a little bit of an asterisk obviously before that the the knockout game against leon in the quarter final in the in the COVID campaign again accentuating circumstances but there were fragilities there in the quarter final before that tottenham we've scars are still deep and and everlasting after that game there was fragilities in in that in that fixture the 2017 eighteen against liverpool complete naivety from, from you could say, the manager, you could say the players, you could say even the supporters, I suppose. Liverpool did a job on City, didn't really have the the, the tools to get through that. And then obviously the, the Monaco game, which was one, one of the best first legs that I can remember, it was you know an enthralling encounter. You go away to Monaco with a two-goal advantage and then end up losing on away goals. So in previous seasons, Adam, do you think City get away from the Wanda Metropolitano with... Uh, a semi-final berth or do you think that they crumble because like you say it, it really felt like the first time City had had to go away to a, a, a massive team in Europe with the fans there with the atmosphere against them with the it, it felt like the entire situation of the game conspiring against them you know some of the, the, the questionable referee decisions the injuries the lack of chances being created and the the valiant defending to me, I I don't see a situation where City get through that tie two three years ago, and it, and it really did. It, it was a it was a proud moment, I think, from from a supporter point of view and a player point of view.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think two or three years ago, that game may finish two 0 something Mm -hmm. like that to Atletico Madrid. It reminded me a bit of the times that just that final kind of 15, 20 minutes, it reminded me a bit of the times that Liverpool used to just blitz city at Anfield and whether it was in the premier league or in the champions league, and they would, they would score three or four goals in like 15 minutes. And then the game was just over like that. Um, It felt like that, that last 15, 20 minutes could have been that if it was two or three years ago. Um, Because I think the criticism of city in the past is, that once they got punched in the mouth they didn't get back up and i think that was that was a fair criticism mm-hmm. the the reason they were still winning titles and and things like that is because they didn't get punched in the mouth very often because their football was just better than everybody else's but this team everybody talks about foden de bruyne uh, the beautiful players mares on the right and and cancello and his outside of the boot passes but I think there has just been this general idea about City, outside of the City fan base, that City are just the English PSG, and they have this team of, of expensively assembled superstars. They have a manager that's all about pure football and blah, 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 blah. But none of what City has accomplished in probably the last two or three years, I would say from the treble season onwards, doesn't happen without a team that is full of character, and full of personality, and full of team spirit, togetherness, all of that. Look at look at Zinchenko coming to to defend Phil Foden when he's oh, get, yeah. getting dragged off yeah. the pitch last night. Look at John Stones making that that incredible block late in the game, and, and he gets like up, a he's goal po- yeah, he's pounding his chest, and Nathan Ake's coming over and pounding his hand on John Stones' chest. I mean, this this team doesn't act like they are the second most expensively assembled squad ever with the, with the greatest manager of all time. They act like a team almost of underdogs the way that they play. Mm. And I think that that is nothing new to those of us that have watched city for a long time now. But I think that this was the first time we saw it on a, on a huge stage where I think everyone in Europe now is going to be like, right, this, this team is here and they're here to stay, especially in this competition.
0: Should we talk about the dark arts then and the the approach from City at points in the game? Because I don't think we can let it go unnoticed. And, and you mentioned there the sort of assumption that City are this entire, you know, the, the epitome and the beacon of, of inverted commas good football. But there were moments, I think, if I was an opposition supporter watching City, I would have been up. I'd have been screaming. I'd have been spitting blood. I'd have been furious because... <laughs> City played the game, didn't they? And and I mean that by not just the football, but the, the they played the occasion. And I guess we'll work backwards then. And, and part of that melee, or what, what started it off then really, was the Phil Foden's... I'm hesitant to say theatrics. It was a good tackle, but and, and there was a kick out from Felipe, who deservedly for me was sent off. But it was the rolling back onto the pitch that really sparked Savic's uh, fit of rage, wasn't it? And that gamesmanship, which... I don't when I've listed the games there in the previous Champions League campaigns, I'm for example that Liverpool one at the Etihad, where City could have been 2 0 up at half time, the second half comes along, and Liverpool play the game. They slow they slow everything down, they take the time, they, they, they buy fouls, and you've got to do that, haven't you, I suppose, in Europe? And it's what other teams have been doing for years and years and years, and that's what wins European Cups, isn't it? That that grittiness and that uh, sort of being able to get through in the face of adversity. I don't think I've seen City do that sort of stuff before, and and do you have any issues with it? I, I mean, I, I, it's easy to say now, don't it? Isn't it because City have gone through, but maybe City hadn't gone through, and and you know, it's it's not it's not the pretty football, is it? But it, it was necessary at that time, wasn't it? And you know, whether it's Phil Foden rolling on the pitch, or there's a little bit of time wasting, or you know, Bernardo Silva trudging off with with 20 minutes to go, and you know, just really sort of. I suppose, doing the Atletico and, and they really did Atletico, Atletico. Well,
1: that's the thing is, though. in the wake of all this, there's been a lot of complaints from Spain over the way that City acted in the <laughs> final 10 or 15 minutes, which is ridiculous to me because Spanish football in general is slow and they break up the play a lot. And, and Atletico Madrid as well. I mean, they are the kings of playing football like that. I have no issue with it whatsoever. It's It's so normal in the latter stages of european football for teams to you know sit on a lead and roll around a lot and lay on the ground a lot it's there's nothing new about it and if you're if you're a city player you're thinking fine you want to kick me to death every single time i get the ball you want to leave your mark on my ankle every single time i make a pass then every time you kick me i'm going to go down and i'm going to waste four (laughs) minutes and that's four minutes gone for you to score a goal which is it's brilliant like what it's exactly what I'd be telling my players to do. If they're going to smash you every single time you go up for a header, if they're going to leave leave their foot in every single time they tackle you, then lay on the ground. Because they've got the momentum right now. Break up that momentum. It's it was I just I have no sympathy especially the fact that it's against Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I was actively rooting for city players to roll around as much as they can. I wanted, I wanted like prime Neymar and Russia to be <laughs> all eleven players on the field. Honestly, that's that's the way I felt. Was if they're going to keep kicking you, then just just lay down. And we saw Fernandinho in that melee. Phil Foden tried to get up, and Fernandinho shoved him back to the ground. <laughs> which is yeah. just that is that is worthy of the captain armband, captain's armband right there. So, no, I have no issue with it. And if they've got to do it to to Real Madrid in the next round to get through the final, then do it. It's, it's a part of football. Like it or hate it, it's a part of football.
0: What I found the most astonishing from this situation was the reaction of the Atletico supporters who like I said, this is, I think it's, your opinion for other, the sort of average football fans opinion of Atletico Madrid has been warped by this two-legged time because this is not what they've been like for most of the season. Last year, they were the second highest goal scorers in La Liga. This year, I think the third, they've been conceding a lot of goals, but they've been really open and expansive at times. But those supporters more so than any in world football would have seen this and they'd have lapped it up when it was their own players. And that, that, I don't know what you describe it as. That that sort of breaking the fourth wall from Simeone in the sort of last few minutes where every time a city player would go down, he'd just stand up and, and give this sort of strange ovation and clap to the supporters and they'd respond by doing the same it's like it's like being in a, a sort of like a roman uh, gladiator colosseum sort of thing where you've got the you've got the fighter trying to whip up the crowd ahead of taking on the lion and or taking on the pleb or whatever it was it was utterly strange and utterly bizarre um and the fact that they were sort of they were getting grilled by this and they were they were sort of reacting badly to it that it was just superb it was it was genuinely superb um let's leave the the sort of the WWE WrestleMania side of it alone for a little bit and actually speak about the the football and a couple of shout outs for players who who came off the bench and really changed the rhythm of the game i fought for city both fernandinho and nathan ake were astonishingly good really superb performances for them when the the game was really starting to become a struggle for city they came on and they did everything that you could have wanted and more I guess we'll start with Nathan Aké and then move on to Fernandinho, then because Nathan Aké was amazing in the in the first leg. He didn't start; he had to come on for an injury, which is I'd say almost more difficult than starting the game because you you, you perhaps not mentally expecting to come on. You know, Kyle Walker had had. Been suspended, so he was fresh, and then he was coming on in his place, and and then Cancelo had to go out to the right, and Nathan Ake, who's you know traditionally a centre half playing left back, in a really difficult situation. But there was some there were some moments where he just looked imperious, and and that one where I think he makes a, it may have been on um, Suarez where he cuts the ball out and he's sort of in the air hooking it away. Um, it, it was a, a really good performance, and, and yet another example of Nathan Ake. I'm hesitant to say proving the doubt is wrong because from my personal point of view, and I know you're the same, there was never any doubts that he could do it, but really making his 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 sort of presence worthwhile in that City back line.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was superb when he came on. Um, <clears throat> I think it's so difficult and I think people are underestimating just how difficult it is to come on, especially in a game where he's probably not expecting to come on at any point. Um, you know, coming on for an injury is not necessarily a substitution that is talked about ahead of time. Mm. Pep Guardiola would have, wouldn't have said to Nathan before the game, you know, in the, in the last 15 or 20 minutes, I might be bringing you on. I think the, the mental switch that you have to do from being on the bench to coming into that atmosphere and that level of intensity and switching right, right on – Right into the game, and I think I saw a stat from Opta that he had the most headed clearances of any player on the pitch. Yeah, and he was only yeah. on for seventeen minutes. Yeah, like that is that is unbelievable. I mean, he came came into a a back four with John Stones and and Eric Laporte in it, and he was the best player in that back four for the seventeen minutes that he was on the pitch. Yeah, so yeah. he is like really made a case for himself in the last three or four weeks that. He is not. He's he's too good of a player to be the guy that's just sitting around waiting for Ruben Diaz Laporte mm. or or John Stones to get injured.
0: Mm. Yeah, you're right there. Um, I'm not sure if it was headed, but he definitely made five clearances and he would played for 17 minutes, which is. A really, really strong outing. Um, moving on then quite quite swiftly, Fernandinho, another man who came on and and for me, I think that was the best bits of Fernandinho rolled into a 20-minute cameo or whatever it was. I think he'd been on the pitch for two minutes, may have even been less, and he was already trying to hack down an attack. And I'm thinking, your first involvement here is gonna end up in a yellow card. The 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 attacker somehow managed to wriggle away. And then his next involvement, he was popping up on the left wing, buying fouls and granted would he have been able to do that from the start i'm probably gonna say no it you know it was really I'm, i may embarrass myself here with the analogy but it felt like a basketball team bringing on that sort of enforcer to just just do like a five minute role and, and granted my basketball knowledge is not the best but it did it felt like <laughs> i
1: don't think that exists in basketball. <laughs> <God>.
0: well uh, <laughs> well it felt like I've just invented a role where you, you perhaps have a rolling sub or something like that. That's what I was trying to think of. God, yeah, you can tell how much basketball I I watch. But it, it felt like he was he was brought on for that specific purpose, and he played it perfectly, didn't he? And obviously, the the build up to to the game was the fact that he'd announced he was leaving the the club, and I'm sure if that comes to fruition, and that and that is. Um, turns out to be true we'll do hours and hours and hours of of tributes and stuff like that because nine years for a city in a city shirt he's been astonishing but that was more more than you could have wished for from fernandinho's performance wasn't it
1: it was and there was just little brief moments of like peak fernandinho where I, i can remember one particular time where Atletico was trying to play out of the back and he covers like Ten or fifteen yards in a split second, and closes down and wins the ball and and sets city back down towards the corner. And he's a very different player to Rodri. I know that Rodri has mm. has totally eclipsed him in that that defensive midfield role. But I think Rodri, the way that he plays, is a lot more controlled than Fernandinho. Um, but Fernandinho, there's such beauty in the way that he just kind of like moves from touchline to touchline. Mm at ease but he like he arrives at the ball so ferociously yet the steps the strides that got him there Mm. were so graceful and elegant looking but when he gets there he's like a pit bull that's just like launching into its toy Um, (laughs)
0: yeah
1: but but still he was he was incredible when he came on All, all the subs i thought were fantastic subs and and the way that the the entire team stuck together there and that's you have to remember that that's not normal for City it's not normal for Pep Guardiola to really change things that drastically I mean Mm. I think the final 10-15 minutes of the game there was a midfield three of Rodri Gunduan and Fernandinho and then you've got Nathan Ake playing left back so like this is that is a new thing for for Pep Guardiola to really change things that much I think it's the first time we've probably seen him make all four or, or almost all of the five subs in one game unless it's like bringing the kids on late in a Champions League group stage game like he you could tell that Pep was feeling the pressure as well mm. in bringing on Fernandinho and and players like that and especially the guys that they were bringing them off for so yeah both Fernandinho and Nathan Ake were incredible when they came on and I think you could say that they absolutely saved the game
0: um you you know Guardiola's under pressure a little bit when he does that thing where he sort of, not kneels down but gets down on sort of all fours and is 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 sort of pouncing and, and looks worried and, and looks fretted and and yeah, it was it was a patched up team towards the end of the game, wasn't it? A really patched up team and, and City had to dig deep. Um, I guess we'll leave the last word on the Atletico game to to Sirivaz then, who asks us. <laughs> does beef in the opposition for 45 minutes of a eight hundred and eighty fi- minutes tie help you win Champions League quarterfinals? Asking for a May at Atletico's official Twitter account, I think that sums up perfectly, doesn't it? Um, it's always nice to progress from the Champions League, but when you're doing a number on a team like that and, and the way they played, especially in that last leg, it feels all that little bit sweeter. Um, Real Madrid, then in the next game, it gets easier and easier, really, for City, doesn't it? Just the just the 13-time European champions, Real Madrid, and, and then a place in Paris, probably against Liverpool. After that, what, what do you think about the the prospects of another another Madrid date?
1: I. Feel so much better about playing Real Madrid than than I do playing Atletico Madrid, and that's that's no disrespect towards Real Madrid. I actually think that it will be a much, I won't say easier because because Real Madrid are clearly a very good team. They're going to go on and win La Liga this year, Um, but Real Madrid will play football a bit more. They're not going to play a five five for for 120 minutes of a tie they're going to play a bit more football they may sit back and try and hit city on the counter but at a certain point when you have players like luka modric tony cruz uh kareem benzema Vinny jr like these guys will try and play football and in a game of football with probably any team on earth city are going to feel confident in Mm. in in winning that game so i genuinely think and i know uh, jamie carragher was speaking on uh, about it after the game on, on the US broadcast, that he actually would have City as strong favourites against Real Madrid, whereas he didn't necessarily have City as strong favourites against Atletico Madrid. And that's simply because it's going to be a real game of football again. And in a real game of football, City are always going to be the favourites.
0: It's Real Madrid though, isn't it? And it's the Champions League and Real Madrid together is always a, a difficult conundrum. You, you look at the way they managed to to get past Chelsea and they were comfortably... Uh, worse off in that second leg, you know. The the, the only progress really because of that that forty five minutes at Stamford Bridge in the first game, and it, it the Real Madrid in the Champions League will always instil fear into me. And obviously, City went to the Bernabeu not too long ago and got a result, and you know, hopefully, that can be used as confidence. But especially with the second leg coming second, I think that the the emphasis on the first leg now becomes important because whereas City could perhaps in in other games you could escape not necessarily getting a a comfortable a comfortable win city really have to have something in spain i think because it's just you just know you just know Real Madrid are always in a tie until the final whistle, really, aren't they? And if Atletico are the the naughty kid at the back of the classroom throwing stuff at the the front of the class, uh, Real Madrid are, are the sort of the straight A student, aren't they? Who who uses their digs and sly comments in a much more sort of articulate way, and and it, it does frighten me. So um, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see, but it's the champions league isn't it and and you really you've got to beat everyone to get to the final and and city's run has been difficult but real madrid in the semi final is what is it what dreams are made of do people dream about this stuff i don't know anymore but uh, I but think yeah. so yeah. i
1: certainly think that one of my all-time favorite moments as a city supporter and that's that's going back a long way was city winning at the bernabéu in in 20 1920 season mm. like the last game before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my all-time favorite memories because it was a the the Bernabéu was on fire, full house and City go there and I think it was 2-1 the Kevin De Bruyne penalty. It came from that behind won the game. as well. Yeah, it came from behind. Yeah, and that that was another one of those like big moments in the club's history in the Champions League. So I I think when you're playing clubs like Bayern Munich or Barcelona or Real Madrid, I think it is there is just this kind of air of prestige when you're playing in those games because they're they're the the clubs that are meant to be in in this part of the Champions League I hate I, I sound like a, a Super League <laughs> s- sympathizer <laughs> when I'm saying that but like it's just it's who I want to be playing and yeah. in the I don't I I don't want to be Liverpool I don't want to play Benfica and who do they have and Real on yeah. the way to a final I want to be beating Real Madrid I, I want to be beating Atletico Madrid I want to be beating your your Bayern Munich and clubs like that I think it I think it makes the whole thing a lot more fun and a lot more prestigious. Mm. And maybe that's just the American in me that I bought into the Champions League as a kid because it's some of the only football we had on television here. It was watching Mm. the old AC Milan sides and and Barcelona sides and stuff like that. So I I will be sick to my stomach on the day, but I I love these games in all honesty.
0: Yeah, I'll remind you of that one. Kerry and Benzema's put his 17th goal past City in the first half an hour at the Etihad after you know scoring 16 headers and, and a tap-in. Um, that's to come. That, that's to come. There's a lot of football to play in between now and then, starting with the small matter of Liverpool at Wembley in the FA Cup final on Saturday. It's... Crazy to think that it's still going ahead at Wembley, given the travel chaos. I, I know I've got tickets and, and still, what on the day of recording, we're on Thursday now, the match is on, on Saturday, still without a clear plan of of what to do. Um, but that's that's a me problem. And, and I'm sure others have had a similar thingy, but it, it is going to go ahead at Wembley given the 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 way the game panned out against atletico madrid i can only imagine we'll be seeing the under 12 starting because it felt like a real bruising battle against atletico and then to go up against liverpool in a semi final our Liverpool favourites for you, Adam, do you think, it, given the way their Champions League game ran out and, you know, 3 free draw against Benfica at home, they managed to get through, uh, given the result in their first leg as well. But they were able to rest players and they were able to, you know, a home game where City are going from Madrid straight to London with a number of injuries. We think De Bruyne and Kyle Walker will miss the game. Do you think it's advantage Liverpool?
1: I think Liverpool picked up a couple injuries as well, didn't they? I'm pretty sure uh, Diogo Jota picked yeah, up a knock, knock. yeah, Salah as well. So, okay. um, but I think it's just I think it's too difficult to call either team a favorite. Um, I think there are some players that have really proved themselves in the last few weeks to be given a shout in a game like this. I think Nathan Ake could start this game.
0: Oh, 100%, uh, I think
1: yeah. Gabriel Jesus will come back into the team. Raheem Sterling will come back into the team. Uh, Two players, I think Sterling only played 15 or 20 minutes in in Madrid. Jesus obviously didn't play at all. He was suspended. Um, Does Zinchenko come back into the team? Does Ruben Diaz come back into the team? How fit is he? He was obviously on the bench last night in Madrid. So I think there is some, some room for rotation and to have some fresh legs in there and it not just be the same beat up team from Madrid I think where you're maybe a bit concerned is in the midfield um because every midfielder featured in Madrid and mm. they got a bit beat up so we'll have to see the extent of the De Bruyne injury I can't see him starting on Saturday I know I no. probably we won't probably be seeing him on on the pitch again until at least Brighton next week um but it's a one-off game. It's a semifinal. It's at Wembley. Anything can happen. I think if the game goes into extra time, then you probably give the nod to Liverpool because they've got the fresher legs. But in 90 minutes, I think, I think it's still going to be just as even as we saw at the Etihad last weekend.
0: Do you think it will be a similar game? Because to me, I see it playing out an entirely different way. I don't think we'll see the sort of the same frantic level of attacking from either team. I think it will probably be a, a lot more composed, a lot more cagey. And that seems strange to say, considering the fact that the, the one at the Etihad was billed as a title decider. Obviously, it didn't work out like that, but... I, I just sort of envisage uh, a laboured performance, and obviously, you know, Liverpool haven't had it as tough as City the last few weeks, but they've they've been in a, a battle themselves against a, a decent Benfica team who who put sort of took them to the wire at Anfield, especially, and, and managed to sort of get them feeling a few nerves and. It'll be weird, won't it, when we come out of this, this spell, given how sort of dreaded it's been. City have done their bit so far. Do you see the FA Cup game now being um not so much a throwaway but but just sort of like a, a free hit? And and do you do you reckon that the, the Guardiola's in the dressing room going, you know what, if we if we get knocked out here then <sighs> fair enough, we we've had it tough the last three games, you know, it's probably harder than expected in Madrid. Or is it gonna be right, let's get of everything because let's face it, only City now can really stop Liverpool from doing the quadruple, it feels like.
1: I think there's absolutely no shot that the message from Guardiola is whatever happens, happens. I genuinely can't. I can't. I think the reason that we've seen Pep in the past his players burn out and he burns out is because it's in these moments where he doesn't drop the ball at all. He doesn't, he doesn't mm. give them any sort of mental rest. I think that on Saturday, Saturday morning in that dressing room, he's going to be right up their asses saying this is a, an FA Cup semifinal, a full house at Wembley against our quote unquote rivals. Um, so no, I, I don't see that at all. I think it's, we've seen from Pep in his seven or eight years here now that he wants to win every single game, every single competition. And it's funny because like you said, the the Premier League game last weekend was was billed as the, the title decider. And a whole competition was resting on that game when it wasn't at all. There's mm. there's seven or eight games to, to play, whereas your fate in this competition is actually resting on this 90 minutes, and, yeah. and you will be knocked out if you don't win it. You don't have eight games to rescue the FA Cup after this. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be the, the third most important trophy that City are after. But I think if you look ahead a bit and you've got Brighton – at home in the midweek and then after that I'm not sure what City's Premier League game is. Watford um, I think
0: it is on Saturday.
1: Watford at home, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So look, whatever you've got left in the tank, give it on Saturday. And and Brighton and Watford at home are favorable games that you should be winning. You're not looking ahead to another, you know, another plane ride to to a foreign country for mm. a big champions league tie. I think I think the the message from Pep will be leave it all out on, on the pitch at Wembley.
0: I also think there's perhaps some unfinished business. Obviously, City got the 2018-19 uh, domestic treble and, and that was the first FA Cup and the only FA Cup Guardiola's won whilst he's been at City. But if you look at the, the time he's been here, bar... 2017-18, when when City were knocked out by Wigan, they've always made the semi-finals, at least, and only in one of those have they gone on to play in the final. The last two seasons, City have been in the semi-finals, um, defeat to Arsenal and Chelsea, and it's always felt like there's been uh, a bit of a limp exit in those games. Um, and I think perhaps last year, more, more than ever, City were... The, the the team that Guardiola put out in that in that Chelsea semi final was heavily rotated and I, and i seem to remember reading somewhere it may may have been from Sam Lee or, or someone like that where you know Guardiola went on record and said that his his team selection in that game was probably something he wouldn't do again i think it was it came after the Dortmund second leg so a similar sort of encounter I do think the fact that it's Liverpool will perhaps sort of play into the facts and, and, you know, we have been told about this rivalry that does or doesn't exist depending on who you listen to. And for me, I, I do think Guardiola looks at it uh, as perhaps the best the best sort of contest he's ever had in, in world football and, and perhaps only bettered by the Mourinho Real Madrid business. But that was a completely different sort of... that was that was hatred and that was that was a proper sort of derby derby whereas this is about the football and it's about the trophies and it's about the winning so I do think that will play uh, play a factor um other than that then just a few comments on the England lionesses because they've well pretty much England slash Manchester City. I think it was nine players were involved in, in one of the first games, which is astonishing. George Stanway and Lauren Hemp have bagged a couple. And you're having this, Adam, Ellen White became the first England women's player to to score 50 goals for the national team. And she's now only two behind Wayne Rooney as the all-time scorer across both England teams. And that would be astonishing, wouldn't it, if you could have a, a City women's player as the most, the the all-time goal scorer for for the England national team.
1: Yeah, and just wait till Manchester City legend Harry Kane becomes the all-time <laughs> leading men's scorer, yeah. or Phil Foden down the line. and, and yeah. it's, uh, The the whole record book is eclipsed by City players. That would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, and then when future City-style Gio Reyna comes in and, and mm. does that for the US Men's National Team, that would be fantastic. I, 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 I still dream of a, a time when Gio Reyna comes to City. Imagine the Haaland and Reyna link up.
1: We're going to have to... to bring this down to a really really sad note because i genuinely don't think that guy will have a football career he can't play like 10 minutes at the moment
0: <laughs> perfect for city then isn't it that yeah exactly that, yeah
1: that the city would probably spend get the captain's armband
0: yeah 100 million a player that that plays two games a season um anything else to add then i think we, we've exhausted it and and the fact that we don't have to watch another Atletico game like that this season is always a benefit. And and I said that in the after the first leg, that it, this would be the last game we have to play against Atletico Madrid this season. And, and absolutely thankful it is. But any other points, any other talking points from, from the last few days?
1: No, I am just looking forward to getting through Saturday and then chilling out. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty numb to football at the moment. I'm not sure what <laughs> exactly has caused it. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, I would have, you know, when when City got through PSG last season, I went on a bender over. <laughs> I, and it's funny because I was, it was obviously still the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. I was packing up an empty house here in Richmond to move away. And I was just totally by myself in this house. And I had nothing in the house. It was completely empty. I had a TV and a lawn, my neighbor's lawn chair from their backyard that I asked to borrow so I could sit and watch <laughs> watch the PSG game. And I just had like a, a case of Guinness next to me, and I just had myself a party. And that's normally what I do. And when, when City win titles, I, I'm I'll be on the Guinness and listening yeah, to Oasis. Yeah. And I just yesterday, City get through to a Champions League final. I just packed up my my dog stuff and we went over to my sister's. I ate some chicken and then I went home. <laughs> so I think I'm real I don't know what it is yeah. I th- maybe I need to go to a, a therapist or something but I'm really numb to football right now and I'm kind of just waiting for this season to end because it's slowly killing me
0: it's felt like I don't know if it's the same for you but for me it's felt like when you have Exams in school, and you have like a, a a load of exams bunched up in one period, and you get to that the, the sort of the day before the last one, and you are like, oh, just get through this, get through this, get through this. And obviously, there's there's still Champions League semi finals come, hopefully an FA Cup final to come, a Premier League title parade to come. But it does feel like this sort of this last two weeks has just condensed every sort of emotion you could possibly feel, and we're not even at the end of it yet. So i don't know if there'll be a podcast (laughs) next week depending (laughs) on the result we just may have to go into a retreat but um once again thank you very 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 much for listening if you can and you would we'd really appreciate you leaving a rating and a review hit follow hit subscribe hit whatever you would like you or whatever you can to get us into your ears every single week this has been our first back-to-back episode that have come in the same week I think uh, we've exhausted ourselves just doing that haven't we Adam
1: we have yeah hopefully down the line this becomes a norm but yeah for now I'm I need a nap <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um yeah thank you very much for listening it's been a pleasure as always I have been
0: Amos Murphy you can find me on Twitter at Amos Murphy underscore
1: I've been Adam Booker you can find me at a Booker 17. Until next time, see you later.
0: Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, at delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com.
1: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport, Powered by fans.